You're listening to the Tuesday Talks podcast, your source of truth in communications, identity management, and technology. This week's episode features Numerical's VP of Marketing and Communications, Molly Weiss, and VP of Business Development, Alex Carter. We're delving into the rapidly evolving landscape of reputation management and providing actionable strategies that you can implement immediately to proactively manage your number reputation and navigate the challenges presented by call blocking and labeling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tuesday Talks, a live discussion series where we bring truth and shed light across the brand identity and communications industry. I am Molly Weiss, the VP of Marketing Communications at Numerical, and I will be co-hosting today's session with our VP of Business Development, Alex Carter. Welcome back to the podcast, Alex. Thanks, Molly. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. We're happy to be back here. So today we are talking about the state of the reputation management landscape. So what's changed here? What stayed the same? We've been talking about this for a few years now. Alex and I have been on the podcast talking about this before. And there are some things that have been kind of constant throughout all of this. And there's some new stuff that's popped up. So we want to kind of take today and go through a bit of all of it thinking it starts, makes sense here for us to kind of start at the beginning. Um, so let's do a reminder here for those on the line. What are the origins and the significance of call blocking and labeling? What is the impact of all of this? How does this influence reputation management? Yeah, I think it's important to, to start with where everything was, was created. So back in around 2018, um, there was a, a study, large study commissioned uh, to see how bad is this uh, dialing uh, for dollars and defraud programs that are going on? Uh, how bad is this impacting everyday Americans? And long story short, um, the study found that annually about $30 billion was being def defrauded from uh, the American public through these bad actor uh, voice call scams where they'll try to grab your your credit card or uh, have you uh, divulge some personal information that allows them to to get money from you. So they they put together uh, the FCC FTC put together the Trace Act. It's a um, body of, uh, of regulation that basically contains the Know Your Customers laws and all of this was very well intentioned. Um, so fast forwarded to today which is the reason why you'll see scam likely your spam likely pop up on your cell phone uh, when someone's calling because the true and the honest the good intent was for the telephone companies uh, to warn the consumers that hey this call that's coming in it's got some some sketchiness around it so you know be careful when when you answer this phone call so just to give a little background on the infrastructure <clears throat> the carriers Obviously, when they got this um, regulation says, wow, this is a lot. How are, how are we going to manage that? So they've got some trusted partners in their ecosystem, large data analytic companies that use sophisticated and we'll call them secret or proprietary uh, computer algorithms that analyze the traffic as it's coming through. It looks for bad behavior, bad patterns, uh, but they, they keep that all under lock and key because obviously you don't want the bad guys to get a hold of that because they're going to figure out a way to get around it and then go ahead and keep defrauding uh, consumers that are out there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so with all of this, now where does KYC come into play? That's related to the Trace Act, is that right? 
Yeah, so that's that's a great question. So really what the goal here, the ultimate goal is just like you guys or every all of us, the most people we know, we usually have them programmed into our phone. So we know when our friends are calling, we know when our family's calling, um, uh, our doctors, our businesses, things that we find most important. But there's a lot of things that it sure would be nice if we knew who else was calling. So what the KYC does, it provides a framework that says, okay, you're a business, go ahead and, and legitimize your business, get a digital identity that we can pass up into the carrier ecosystem or the network that says this is indeed numerical or the Home Depot or, or whoever that is calling. And these are in fact the phone numbers that they own and they're allowed to use for whatever purposes that they wanna use. So in following that set of guidelines and infrastructures, it gives those analytic companies that I spoke about and the carriers, uh, what they really want is, is to trust the traffic, to be able to trust your identity, to trust your phone numbers. So don't get so concerned with the shiny bells and whistles quite yet on like showing a brand or anything. The first thing you gotta do is let the network know that you're a legitimate business, these are your phone numbers and you're, you're calling for very specific reasons um, and we don't want that to show up as a, as a spam problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, gearing up for this Tuesday Talks today, I was talking to one of our other favorite Tuesday Talks co-hosts, our own Pierce Corman, asking him what his take was on all this too. And he, he shared something that I'm not going to be able to say better myself, so we're going to quote the famous Pierce Gorman and say that to add to what you said, Alex, KYC is important for at least two other reasons here on top of all this, which is number one, making it more difficult for bad actors to be undetected and anonymous when they apply for any service, right? And number two, making it easier to help the good actors, like all the people that we're here to be able to help, self-identify to improve avoidance and remediation of accidental labeling and blocking that they're going to run into because that's just the nature of the beast right now. So all this to say from the introduction of call blocking and labeling to where we are right now, um, thinking about why all of this is happening, why are these algorithms even out there and thinking about the original purpose being the carriers and all the folks out there who need to conduct KYC. It's always been the desire and the responsibility of this ecosystem to protect the subscribers on the networks from getting fraudulent calls. Meanwhile, we're here trying to find ways to protect the legitimate businesses, all of the legal good guys out there who are running into issues where their traffic just happens to look exactly like all the illegal robocall traffic that everybody's using the same network. It's all blended together. So this means the network, well, here's something that hasn't changed. The network's always working to make these algorithms better. They're trying to get yeah. the best information they can. They're trying to use validated, vetted KYC-based information to know who people are in the network. There's always sketchy people that are floating around in there doing the next big scam. We see this all the time. Just last month, there was another cease and desist out there, a big insurance scam that was identified and being shut down. So this is happening. We are using these technologies to be able to identify some of these bad actors. But in the meantime, um, you know, the scam is continuing to increase. We saw uh, T-Mobile put out a statistic, a 75% increase in scam attacks just on their network alone, and that was in 2022. So, I mean, we're seeing this too, Alex, right, internally with all the customers that we're helping try to navigate around this, we're seeing the need for remediation just continue to increase exponentially. Yep, and the fact of the matter is the bad guys aren't going away, right? They're always going to find and they're always going to try, but that doesn't stop the intention of of 
uh, the ability to do everything in our power to keep the fraud at an absolute minimum while at the same time, like you said, trying to protect legitimate businesses so that they can still conduct, you know, economies uh, legal legally through through voice calls. Yeah. And I mean, it continues to be, has always been, it continues to be very difficult to navigate all this. And I think, you know, let's talk a little bit about some of that with some of the strategies that have been in place from the beginning, still in place now, some new stuff, um, you know, right off the bat, since the last time you and I were on Tuesday Talks talking about this, talking about how do we evaluate the market out there? What do you do when you need a solution? There's new providers out there. So kind of what's your kind of initial high level assessment on what we're seeing newer to the market these days? Yep. Uh, so we'll cover that in one second. What I did want to do is I neglected to mention one of the things that we measure um, on on being able to gauge how much of this traffic and, and how serious it is, is how many times, so we obviously have visibility and a, a lot of providers like us out there have visibility into um, the rate at which the numbers go from being clean over to being tagged. Just to give you guys a couple of statistics, um, from 2021 to 2022, we had an increase of about 61% on the likeliness that numbers were being spam tagged. And then as of right now, and we're about halfway through this year, we're seeing another increase of about 150, 160%. So just for everybody that's out there that's thinking like, oh, this problem's gonna go away. Actually, it's not, it's, it's increasing. And like you had mentioned, they're constantly in there tweaking these algorithms, trying to find a better way. They're trying to do the right thing and keep the bad guys out. But unfortunately, some of the, the side effects are, is that it tags legitimate businesses numbers. So uh, being able to have a way to, to go through that is still like step number one. You've gotta be able to know, is this stuff impacting me? Especially as we don't see that rate of increase um, going down, it's, it's exponentially going up. Um, but then to your point, um, this has caused a lot of new entrants that have you know come into the market um, that provide uh, services, but they're really, they're kind of uh, scattered. And we've, we've spoken about this on, on previous, some of them only just offer a simple visibility, like go put a phone number in here and check it, right? Um, that, that's one thing that, that, you can, that you can have. But then there's others out there that will take it all the way to actually remediating the bad phone number and then fixing that phone number and then laying on additional you know, types of services uh, after that. Of course, there's the free option too. You can always go to like a free call registry and do that, but there's no guarantees, you know, with that. It's also not really, t it doesn't update. So, you know, you could go in there today and for free, you could register your telephone numbers, then the, the algorithms will change tomorrow. And then it'll be like, you've done absolutely nothing. It'll be right back to to square one and you'll have to go back in and redo it. But the problem is that it gets confusing is you proact you know, you're gonna have to be proactive and go after that. Nothing's gonna push it to you that says, hey, I'm looking like a spam label on your phone. Whereas mm -hmm. some providers, they will be proactive and they will tell you that and they will even go as to far as to say, don't worry about it, I got it, we're gonna fix it for you. Day goes by, day and a half goes by, they get a little ping and says, okay, you're all good to go. If it gets swept up in another algorithm again, we'll take care of it for you. Mm -hmm. 
It's reminding me, the free caller registry is reminding me, is there some movie about this guy that every day he wakes up and he forgets who he was and he has to figure it out all over again? It has something to do with like a like a little puppy groundhog or something, right? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> I don't remember, but it's making me feel this way, right? Because it is like you can go put your phone numbers on a free call registry and that's, that's maybe going to do something. You know, it's a great proactive step, right? It might do something for a very short period of time, but... The next day, they're not looking at it every day. It's not something that's like, it's not, it's not the whitelist. It's not the, the registry of like the vetted information. Cause I mean, also can't anybody just go on these things and say like, oh, I'm whatever business and this is my number. Yeah. Is anybody vetting that now? So herein lies the problem. You can't really influence the way your calls are going to be delivered. Take really control of your identity unless they, unless anybody actually knows what your identity is. It's all just, it's part of a, a larger guessing game. And it, it depends on what your goals are here, right? And I think if your goals are to influence and impact the way your calls are being displayed and delivered, you're going to have to do, you You must go through some process to let the carrier ecosystem know who you are, have that confidence in who you are to even, to even agree to say like, okay, yeah, this is a good person. Yes, of course, I don't want to mistakenly block or label this hospital's phone numbers. Like why? Of course, I don't want to be doing that. Right. So we need, it's, it's always going to be a balancing act. That's always been there. And that's always going to be there. And no matter how many new solutions come to the market to try to offer new and novel ways in and around it or through it. I mean, that's, that's always going to be the key is, yeah. letting these people know who you are. And that's what consumers want too. All they ever wanted was more transparency and he was calling them anyway. So we're here trying to trying to help, you know, provide that all of us together. Um, I wanted to ask you about one of the newer entrants to the market. Um, we're seeing now, you know, speed is everything, right? And when, when solutions first came about, it was like a lot of static reporting out there. Um, now there's a lot more sophisticated things flying around, mm-hmm. including solutions like, you know, real time information of, you know, exactly how your calls are being displayed at any moment all the time. Um, what's your take on these things? Are, do those exist? Are they real? What are they best used for? Yeah, so so there's a variety of, of options here. Again, um, there's a couple different ways to that vendors and and uh, solution providers can skin a cat. You know, with that, there's there's API methods that um, aren't ex- they'll they'll show you predictive screenshots, but then there are actual um, what they call device clouds. Just imagine a, a bank of phones, you know, sitting there. And calls are actually made up through the networks then and then placed down onto those phones. And then a screen capture is taken of those. Um, That is an exact route, right? That is one that's showing you exactly, okay, it's this device, it's this uh, network. So you just went through Verizon and you terminated onto an iPhone. Or you just went through AT&T and you terminated um, onto an Android uh, type of phone. That gives you the real perspective of, of what that looks like. But what you have to think about um, on this is, is this something I really, really need? Is this something I need to pay for? Um, if that's all you really want, it, that's that's fairly a low cost uh, option where you can go in and you can just check it, but you just don't care to do anything about it. Um, however, if you are uh, reliant on voice calls uh, for the economies of your business, or if you're a healthcare provider and you need, people need to show up for their appointments, um, you, you know, you're going to want to look at the entire solution where, okay, well, what happens if it says spam likely on that? What, what are you guys going to do about that? So it's important to ask that question when you're out there shopping is, okay, so I appreciate that you have 
a tool that shows me exactly what my my brand is displaying as or what my phone numbers or is it saying spam but if it says spam what what can you do to help me with that right so the idea here is to 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 get with a provider that can take you from point a automatically all the way to cleaning it up and making sure that it's back to where customers aren't seeing a bad or a negative impression on the phone Mm -hmm. that really is the point here the seeing identifying a problem is part of an overall solution here do you want to do anything about it once you've identified it that's really where a big differentiator lies yeah, so absolutely. this is good counsel here i think another good how are my calls being displayed type of question here is what about some other new workarounds um mm-hmm. branding is is came out last year around last year and it started to become really exciting um an awesome way to let people know who you are when you're calling is to stick your name on the call this makes sense um we get a lot of questions now asking this whole branding thing does that just abolish spam and scam labeling mm-hmm. is it just override it is it, is it get rid of it is it is it the answer like we just start to brand everything and suddenly we don't have any more problems like where is the where does the balance lie with that and what should you do if you're kind of thinking about this like are there kind of some gotcha moments there or what's your take yeah that's a that's a really um the market has done a good job of confusing i think uh buyers out there ones that are looking to to add a branded call or add a, a logo or a brand name uh, to a call. It certainly does help mitigate the the spam, uh, but you're still going to have to to do the you know reputation management aspects before that because none of the carriers are going to let you anywhere near a branded call unless they know you're legitimate. Um, there's been some scares uh, recently or some cease and desist letters that that gone out that you know we've we've published some information around those. Uh, the carriers, they just don't want a bad actor. And that's what, what can happen with branding. It can make it so much easier for a bad guy to steal from you. So if you saw a legitimate business like your credit card name on there, but it's actually a fraudulent actor, you're more likely to give them your information on there because it looks legitimate on the phone. So don't be don't be enamored or, or I guess, bedazzled by, by branded calling. There's a time and there's a place for it. I think what what you have to think about the most with branded calling is it's uh it's a newer product it has comes with a um a price per call that is is decently expensive okay and and you guys can shop around and get get proposals for that but what you need to really consider is all right is this going to be a beneficial return on investment for my business because we've done a a good handful of implementations and there are use cases that are absolute slam dunk layups you know there's some healthcare use cases there's some service delivery use cases there's uh, ones where people go on and fill out a web form that says I want to I want you to call me because I want you to come clean my gutters or, or do something like that uh, there's absolute slam dunks for that. But then there's other, also other use cases where people will brand a call three or four times and nobody's answering that phone call, but you're paying for that impression that, that's on there. So there's a, there's a variety of things you need to look at. Now, most importantly, since we sell in all different uh, vertical markets and in industry, it's kind of hard to give a, a, a one magic bullet, but the one that's close enough 
is if you track your revenue per per connected call as a business or if you track like if it's a healthcare if you track your no-show rate per connected call that can give you a good idea of all right i'll start with a reputation management i'll wait 30 days here's my baseline on revenue per connected call or whatever that is then i'll go ahead and i'll start layering that in and let's see if, if that return on investment um, indeed pays for itself if not provides a, a profit mm -hmm. so really thinking about that um you're likely looking at always i mean like you said there's no silver bullet solution right we're always going to be talking about how do you really establish trust in your identity we're always going to be talking about what's the reputation look like and the path to branding branding is great when it makes sense like you said there's a ton of really amazing use cases but the at the end of the day bad actors can't get in there so there's going to always be that level of vetting you're gonna it's it's it this is not going away exactly and, and as you're shopping around or if you're looking for solution providers you know really dig in when it comes to branding it's not just an on or an off switch right you have options right you can test it on a particular network you could test it on a particular set of dids right um, just be aware that there are vendors and there are companies out there that say it's not a do everything and go you know you can you can ease into this and and we can provide uh, or a lot of vendors can provide best practice calling strategies. They can they can provide strategies on on taking a step by step approach to enabling your branded calling instead of just flipping a switch and turning it all on and spending a ton of money and then waiting to see if that that ends up paying for itself. Mm -hmm. And probably I mean it's newer, right? So you're going to really need to as an organization determine what that testing regimen is a b testing trying it on certain campaigns turning it on turning it off each of the carry networks is different um the display of your calls is going to be different as well and it depends on what type of handset you're calling so a ton mm -hmm. there are a lot of variables so it's really difficult to build a very structured case without really looking through each and every one of these factors that's going to impact the end result and, you know, and what is that result? Are you looking for just an increase in contact rates and that's really all you're after? Or are you looking at the overall, are you interested in callbacks? Maybe not even in the same day, but just in general, do you want to save your agent's time? Are you looking for a higher conversion rate? And what exactly is your use case? And back to your other point, are people actually wanting to hear from you or not? You know, that that's always part of this too. I mean, best styling practices. And we we have been here talking about number reputation for over five years. And it's something that's never changed is the fact that what you're doing has an impact. No amount of whitelisting that, you know, that doesn't exist or anything else you do, you still can't turn around and just call people a hundred times a day yep. and not expect something bad to happen. You know, so that's always going to be there. Um, and I think, you know, consumer choice continuing to impact the trajectory of where this all goes perhaps alex will be back on tuesday talks next year and we'll be talking about this again what's different i think we can expect that the proposed rulemaking around this industry is going to always continue to influence this we're never going to be able to get away from the original purpose of call blocking and labeling which was consumers want more information about who is calling them and they don't want to be bothered by people that they don't want to hear from and uh you know on this note the fcc has comment date set for the next new proposed rulemaking this is about consent under the tcpa um you know these proposed new rules are here to strengthen consumers ability to revoke consent that maybe they did give before to receive robocalls 
you know, robo calls, mm -hmm. uh, whatever that means and robo texts. So what does this all have to do with any of this, right? It's, we always need to remind ourselves that the regulatory landscape is, is here and we're right in the middle of it. Um, this all is going to go hand in hand. This is all about consumer's choice and what they want to see on their cell phones and that the carrier's ability to deliver the best they can to the consumers that are paying to be on their networks and right. And businesses ability to navigate this in the meantime, to connect with these people who are on these cell networks. So I think, you know, we're down to the last minute here, but for anybody listening out there wondering, you know, what is the most important element for them to continue to think about and understand here when they're trying to decide what to do about all of this? What would you suggest for being the, you know, what does the enterprise focus on right now with their limited energy that they have? Uh, I think you're asking a two part question, but what I'll do is I'll boil it all down into one thing. If you're running a business, um, you've spent considerable investment dollars on a dialing platform, on people to answer the phone, on your products, on your services. Um, think of all of the, the money that's been invested to, to run that business and only to have your reputation show up on a caller ID to say scam likely for a less than a sub penny phone call, right? For that to be the problem where it's a fixable solution that's all based around um, trusting your identity up into the ecosystem, registering your phone numbers. I mean, you've got to look at protecting the major, major investments that you've put into, because if, if, if you do all of that and your first impression to a million callers out there that you're calling for whatever reason or, or your local healthcare system and it shows up, it's your doctor is scam likely, um, it's, it's, uh, it's not worth it. Right. So fixing your mm -hmm. reputation, if you've got to, that, that's the key is if you see spam likely on your caller ID, then, um, and that's important to you. That's when you need to fix it. Yep. That's well said, Alex. Well, I'm going to thank you for joining us again here on Tuesday talks, Alex. It's been awesome to be back together with you again. It's been wonderful. Um, we're going to thank everybody else who's here joining us for another episode. Thanks so much. And we'll be back live again on Tuesday, July 25th with Numerical's founder and CEO, Rebecca Johnson, as she tackles the dynamic relationship between digital trust and zero trust strategies with co-host Dean Conklin, Senior Director of Business Development at DigiCert. So see everybody soon and have a great rest of your day. Thanks, everyone. We'd like to thank you for tuning in to another episode of Tuesday Talks. Our next live episode will be in two weeks on Tuesday, July 25th, when Numerical's founder and CEO, Rebecca Johnson, is back to host with Dean Cochran, the Senior Director of Business Development at DigiCert. We're going to explore the dynamic relationship between digital trust and zero trust strategies in a connected world. So join us in our mission to promote transparency and collaboration to return trust to communications. Simply click the link to register and join us at the live show, invite a friend, and be sure to submit a question you'd like to have answered live.